Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message.
1982, <clears throat> this 42-year-old man, violent, probably fearless, angry, given to gambling, drinking, pleasure, fun, had the opportunity to encounter Jesus. It was a, uh, a great opportunity that, that came up uh, through one of his friends. One of his friends called him and said, hey, I want to come and talk to you about something that I've discovered. And, and they talked and shared about Jesus. And this man, married with three children, went from a life of cursing and smoking and partying with friends to a desire to honor God. That man was my father. Uh, he experienced an incredible transformation from the hand of God, and it changed his life. And um, I think that uh, what I would say that he experienced in, uh, when it comes to encountering Jesus was a, a new beginning. A new beginning to live life with God. A new beginning to, to experience something that he had never experienced before. You know, new beginnings, friends, are powerful. They're powerful. Uh, new beginnings are an opportunity in so many ways, as it was for my dad, to, to wipe the slate clean. New beginnings represent a time of transition when you go from one place in life to another place in life, from one condition to another, from one spiritual state to another different spiritual state. And biblically speaking, new beginnings are really an opportunity, a God-given opportunity to start again. New beginnings are a God-given opportunity to start again. And sometimes we despise new beginnings because they make us uncomfortable. Because we start to get into our own minds and we start thinking, how am I going to, to, to handle this situation? What am I going to do in this case? Uh, you know, you may be looking for a new church and you're here for the first time and you're wondering, is this the place for me? Uh, new beginnings are hard because they raise a lot of questions in all of us. Now, today we are starting a new series that we're calling New Beginnings. And uh, I know that we're in the month of February and, and you're probably thinking, are we still talking about New Beginnings? Well, it's still pretty early in the year. <clears throat> and I think that many of us, to some degree, we're still trying to get our, our legs from under us to, to face a new year, just the strength to, to, to keep moving forward. I, um, uh, it reminded me of this, um, uh, this cartoon or, or this vignette that I saw of, um, of this woman at the the starting line of a of a hundred meter race, and she, uh, uh, you know, she started off and and she stumbled, <clears throat> and uh, and you're seeing something that that I'm, I'm I'll talk about in a minute about that. And sometimes we kind of feel like that, right? We're like, oh my gosh, another year in front of us. I can barely make it. I can barely get my feet up. I'm like, oh, I need some help. I need somebody to help me out. How many of you feel that way sometimes? I mean, like 2024 started, I'm like, Jesus, Lord, have mercy. I need some help. You feel that way? Yeah. I think we're all excited. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is that we need, we need somebody to carry us across the finish line. And that many times is we need one another and we need Jesus. 
over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to take some time and, and break up for you the book of Romans and talk about Romans chapter 8. And uh, we're going to separate Romans chapter 8 into the next four weeks after today. Uh, my task today is to get us started into new beginnings and, and to give us some principles of new beginnings. And over the next four weeks, there'll be um, uh, other speakers that will come and share about new beginnings. It's exciting. I'm excited about it. And if you're facing the mental exhaustion of meeting your own expectation, the expectations of others that others might have for you. I hope that this series, and starting with today, that we'll be able to give you some weapons, some uh, 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 some courage even to, to face expectations with faith and hope and trust that God will help us as we embark into new beginnings. You know, one of the, the incredible things is that hope is so important. And sometimes we lose hope. And the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that's why so many times we feel so discouraged and so down and so disappointed in life. And here's the thing. Sometimes people will come to you and will say, oh, brother, stop, you know, stop that behavior. Have faith in God. Come on. Why are you so discouraged, sister? Have faith in God. I cannot think of a worse thing to tell somebody that is going through discouragement to tell them, come on, have faith in Jesus. What makes you think that they don't have faith in Jesus? What makes us think that they have no faith in Jesus? How about we pray for one another? We encourage one another. And that is what we hope to do today. Are you excited? Are you relieved? Can you say amen? I know you're kind of like wondering what in the world are we doing and where are we going with this? Well, my goal again today is to give us some, uh, I want to I give you a number of items, keys that you can take with you as we start the new year. Our text today is found in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16 and sorry, 18 and 19, which Kathy in prayer mentioned without knowing anything. You know, people say, how does the prophetic happen? It happens in practical ways. When God speaks to a church, he speaks many times through prayer times, through uh, things that happen. Uh, I think that uh, uh, um, the, the, the words that we've received today, I mean, come on, guys. Is the Lord speaking to us or not? Isn't that incredible? I mean, when Liz came up and shared what she shared, it's really, I was, I was thinking, wow, that's kind of like, like new beginnings. Like, what is God saying? God is speaking to us today. And so let's read that scripture together. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. It says, forget the former things. Forget the for Hey, look at the person next to you and tell them, forget the former things. In other words, it means forget the past. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing, say it with me, a new thing. See, I am doing a new thing. 
God is doing a new thing. Now, the Bible mentions several characters that have experienced new beginnings in the Bible. And so, you know, people like, for instance, Moses. I mean, we know the story of Moses. He was, uh, you know, I guess by the grace of God, adopted by the daughter of Pharaoh, and then became a murderer and, and, and fled into uh, the wilderness. And then right there, God started speaking to him and appeared in front of a burning bush, and God called him to be the deliverer. Talk about new beginnings. How about um, someone like Noah? I mean, Noah. And new beginnings. Noah means almost new beginnings to me. Like if you know the story of Noah, the destruction of the entire planet because of the sin had reached the, the nostrils of God. And yet God called this man, Noah, and his family and put him in an ark and gave them a new beginning. How about the woman at the well? The woman at the well. Lost feeling lonely and probably separated, not wanting anybody to kind of reach to her because she had been with so many different men. And Jesus, the man, the man that she needed in her life, spoke to her. And she had a new beginning. How about the prodigal son? Talk about new beginnings. We're going to talk about him a little bit more. But we cannot forget Joseph. I mean, Joseph, guys. Joseph went from being a dreamer to being sold into slavery. And then starting there again, new beginnings in Potiphar's house and had success. And then he was accused of having done, you know, sexually assaulted the the wife of Potiphar. And so he was put into jail. And right there in the jail, God spoke to him. And and then somehow, some some way, God raised him up again to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. New beginnings again. And Pharaoh made him second in command over all other people in the kingdom and, and, and the nation of Egypt. And that man Joseph, from being a dreamer, ended up saving the nation of Israel from a famine that would have decimated everybody had he not been in the place that God placed him. New beginnings. There are so many different ways and different characters in the Bible that give us examples of new beginnings. You know, a couple of years ago, almost... um, we did a series called Overcomers, Stories of Hope. And for everyone that testified here, they, were, they ex- experienced new beginnings in God. God is so good. And you're probably thinking of your own life right now and thinking, man, I've gone through, I've been through some stuff. I've lived through some situations in my life. And I've had new beginnings. Thank God for new beginnings. Thank you, Lord, for new beginnings. But today, I want to draw our example from a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, also known as Paul. Paul, then when I think of Paul, I think of a man who, or Saul of Tarsus, I think of a man that, uh, that persecuted believers. He even, the Bible says, voted 
for Stephen to be stoned to death. This is a man who met Jesus, who had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and was changed into what the Bible tells us that he is now the Apostle Paul, called to preach the word of God to the Gentiles. And we can read his story in chapter 26 of Acts. It's, it's quite amazing. But listen to what Paul experienced in his life. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four to 28 says, Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Five times. Who had 39 lashes too? Say that a, a little louder, please. Jesus. Once. Paul, five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spoke, I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the desert, and on the seas. And I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to, to, uh, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concerns for all the churches. I mean, honestly, guys, I, I think sometimes we have enough... Uh, Enough of a hard time to get up in the morning and come to church on Sunday. I mean, sorry, if you get up in the morning and say, ah, I feel tired today, I'm just going to stay home. Just open up 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and read it over and over and over again. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm telling you, you should feel guilty. I'm not trying to. Because we ought to be believers of the word, not just of our feelings. Can I hear an amen? And then he said, after all this, is, and beside all this, I have the daily burdens of my concern for all the churches. I know, Paul. I know how you feel. Friends, the question is, would we be serving Jesus? If we had experienced all those things in our own lives, would we have the same focus as the Apostle Paul had? This is the same Apostle Paul who said these words. Listen to this in 2 Timothy 1, 11 and 12. He says, and God chose me to be a preacher. <laughs> Are you for real? Like, you really want to have all that stuff? You want to go through that? Crazy hard times. Mm -hmm. He chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. Because he knew what he had in his hands. He had the good news of Jesus of spreading the gospel to bring life to dead souls. He knew. That is why I am suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it. 
For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Man, I am telling you, God, give me an inch of that determination and hope that Paul had. You know what? I am sure. I'm not ashamed of all this. I, I don't care that I'm going through all this stuff. I know in whom I'm believed. I know. I know Jesus. I know what he can do. I know the blessings that he can provide. And I am sure. I am sure. And many of us can say, I am sure. I want to be able to say, I am sure. Paul was committed to preach the gospel of Jesus, and he developed the ability to not look behind at his past, but to look forward into his future, into what God had called him to do for his glory and honor. And so today, looking at the life of Paul and looking at the life of incredible characters in the New Testament, I want to give you some key facts to keep in mind about new beginnings. Start with this. Accept God's grace, his unconditional love, and his forgiveness. I think it's got to start there. If we are to go and get into changes and, 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 and accept the fact that God is bringing us into new seasons, we have to accept his grace. We have to accept his unconditional love. And we have to accept his forgiveness. You remember the story of the father and the two sons in Luke chapter 8, 15. We call the story of the prodigal son, but I think it's so much more the story of the loving father and his two sons. One of the sons asked his dad for his inheritance. He got the money. He went out and he spent it on fun, women, pleasure, partying. And then later, when he realized that he had nothing left, he thought, what am I doing? Let me go back home. Let me go back. Maybe my father will accept me again. He went home to a shocking welcome from his father. Now, the older brother was somewhat less adventurous, more responsible, perhaps, but he struggled with jealousy. He had a hard time dealing with the fact that his father had chosen his wild brother who was on the wild side of life while he was there faithful, doing everything that his dad would tell him to do. And so he got into a little bit of jealousy because when his brother came home, his father put a ring on his finger, a robe around him, and he told his servants, let's have the biggest party that we've ever had, slay the fattened calf that is like the best of the best reserved for special events, and let's just party because my lost son has come back home. The prodigal son received the father's love. He, he did not, you know, he, of course he, was, he felt that he wasn't worthy to receive all of that goodness from his dad. <clears throat> but eventually he allowed his father to put his finger, a ring on his finger and a robe around him and they had a great feast and a great time <clears throat> together. Much the same way as God undeservedly forgave us and accepted us and gave us new life 
and a new opportunity and a new beginning. Aren't you glad that Jesus saved your life? I am so glad. When God gives us a new start, friends, we must learn to accept his love. We must learn to understand that his love and his acts towards us are not based on merit. It's not based on what we have accomplished or how terribly we have been so that we deserve total judgment and condemnation. No, no. When God gives us a new start, it's all about his grace. It's all about his mercy. It's all about this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, he chases me down, fights till I am found, and leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Yet you give your life away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. You understand that when we sing even these songs, we should just take a moment to take it all in and understand that his love, his reckless love, has come after you and I. The older brother had the same love, the same grace, the same mercy, the same blessings, the same provision, all at his disposal. What happened to him? I believe that his older brother did not lean into those. He did not lean into his father's love and all of the blessings that he had at his disposal. Instead, he got jealous. He fell into a trap of jealousy. And you know what? He fell into the trap of comparison. He started saying, well, you know, look at me. I've been here all my life. I've been serving you. I've been doing all of this. But look at this guy. He just comes back and he gets everything. And I've been here and I've been doing everything for you and you're giving me nothing. Comparison is a killer of contentment. Comparison will always be the killer of contentment. You come into the church and you serve God and, and, and you're praying and, 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 and you're asking and you're believing God for things in your life, but they don't seem to happen. And somebody else comes in, accepts Jesus, and all of a sudden, boom, they're like, you know, ministering and God is answering their prayers. And are we happy for them? Or do we fall into the trap of comparison? Comparison that will kill the joy. We forfeit God's blessings for our lives when we fall into the trap of comparison. So remember, accept God's grace, his unconditional love, and his forgiveness when God gives you the opportunity. And don't fall into that trap of comparison. The second thing I want us to think of and focus upon is don't focus on those who would not give you a second chance. Mm. You know, some people may have looked at the life of Paul and Paul and was like, hey, man, that's great. Okay, you changed your name, Saul to Paul. That's fantastic. But have you actually changed your actions? Are you a different person? Because you still look kind of like the same. 
But as, as your character changed, as your life changed, you know, uh, it's an old saying in my mother language of Italian that says that a wolf can shed its hair, but not its habit. And that basically means that if you are in the woods in a, on a snowy day and there's a pack of wolves, uh, you know, it's always going to be a pack of wolves. You might get some bites. You better run because a wolf is a wolf, right? Was that the case for Paul? Here, here's the thing, guys. There's always going to be people that will oppose you. There will always be naysayers. There will always be people that will pass you by because of your past. They will look at you and say, well, I remember how you were. I mean, like, are you, are you still doing that stuff? They may not give you a second chance, but you know what? God will. You know why? Because God knows you. And God knew Paul. He knew what Paul was giving up in order to be the man that God was calling him to be. And I want you to know that God has got a second chance for you, and he's got a third chance for you, and he's got a fourth chance for you, and he's got a fifth chance for you, and he's got 59 chances for you, and he's got unlimited chances for you and me. Because God does not look and regard our sins and judge us according to our sins and our behaviors. But he looks at us through the lens of grace and love and mercy. Of course, we change our behavior. Of course, we give that to God. If you're in need of a second chance, God will give you a second chance. So I say naysayers, don't focus on them. In fact, probably best to forget them and keep moving forward. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 to 13. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or God? That's a good question. You know, sometimes we focus so much on the opinions of people that we're trying to gain their approval, and we forget God's approval has already been given. Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Makes sense, doesn't it? Why does it always make sense for us when we're like face to face with the opinions of people? But that is important to understand. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ himself. Wow. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Am I going to give a second chance to this guy that tried to destroy our lives? God did, and God will with you. Don't look at naysayers. Don't look at people. God has given you a, a, a vision. He's put a dream into your heart about the things that he wants you to do for him. Don't listen to people who say, not him, not her. 
Because God has got a plan and a purpose for your life, which leads me to my next point. Don't look behind and embrace God's promise for your life. You see, when God grants us the opportunity to have a new beginning, to start afresh, to start anew, I would say grab a hold of it with two hands. Don't look behind. And when you say, why shouldn't I look behind? Because it's hard to move forward when your eyes are on the past. It's hard to move forward when you look in the rearview mirror. The devil wants you to do that. He wants you to be focused on your past. He wants you to keep your eyes on, on, on the man that you were, all of the things that you have done, how badly you are, and how much you don't deserve any of God's grace. But if we keep our eyes on God and we keep our eyes on the goal that he has set before us, we are so much better off. You know, it may be a new job. It may be a new career. It may be a new relationship or a new ministry. Whatever it is that God is entrusting in your hands to do as a new beginning, as a new something fresh, something new. I tell you, brother, and I tell you, my sister, I tell you, friends, look ahead. Look ahead. Don't look behind. Look forward. If Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. I absolutely love this verse and the language of this verse. Forgetting what is behind. Forget what may have been. Forget what was. Forget the words of people. Forget the the, the, the ones that even cursed you down and said you'll never amount to anything. I've had people that, that flat out told me, oh, Coletta, you'll never amount to anything. Forget them. You can't go forward unless you think and you focus so much on those words. So he's saying forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. This is language of a runner. Straining forward in the Greek actually means like, have you ever seen the 100 meter race? <clears throat> when they're like going toward the finish line and I mean that runner that is ahead of the pack and is running, he is like, he doesn't know if someone is ahead of him or in line with him. And so when he gets to the finish line, he's just like, he's stretching forward. That's the imagery. Stretch forward, like, like reach forward, strain forward. Do everything you can to run the race and finish and win because you will win. We will win. Straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. To what? Win the prize. We're not called to be losers. We're not called to just make it. We're going to win. You are a winner. I am a winner. And as we follow the, 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 follow the plan of God and we're like running the race and we strain forward with everything in us, we will win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Man, our stuff is not of this earth. Paul said, don't focus on the temporal. Keep your eyes on the eternal. Eternity is what it's all about.
Now, let me tell you this. Egypt can be a comfortable place. And it'll be a very comfortable place if you want to eat fish, cucumbers, melons, leek, onion, and garlic. You say, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, read Numbers chapter 11 and verse 5. It'll tell you exactly what their comfort level was. It was fish, cucumber, not, not bad, fish, not bad. But I tell you this, if you want to have... Robert, a good tomahawk steak or a good filet with a nice side of asparagus and mashed potatoes. Am I making you hungry yet? I'm making myself hungry. If you want to have something like that, you know what you got to do? You got to forget what's behind. Forget what's behind. Leave Egypt Egypt represents the past. It represents suffering. It represents not the plan of God for you. God is taking you into a promised land. A place of riches. Les, what did you share today? Abundance. God is bringing us to a place of abundance. We have got to receive it. We've got to receive it and embrace the blessings of God and the promise of God for us. Going back to the verse that we read, our text in Isaiah 43, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. You know, when you read the verse, you know, the prophet is using some very strong, very, uh, very powerfully imperative uh, language in these verses. He's saying, you know, hey, don't, don't look at the past. I mean, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Don't look behind you. You, you, might, you might say, you might look at me and say, you, you just, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what a terrible person that I am. All of the bad things that I've done. I may not. And maybe I do. But does it matter? God is calling us and he's placed a promise ahead of us. And so to receive what God has for us, we have got to go to him with hands wide open. We can't look at the past and move forward. We have to let go and allow God to fill our hands with what he has. You know, he's not worried about your past. He's not concerned. He's not afraid of the bad person that you might have been. His grace is sufficient. So let go of your fears. Let go of your anxiety and your shame. And embrace his presence and his grace and his love for you. Those things that may have kept you from achieving the plan of God for your life. That may have blocked you or even paralyzed you. Let them go. Let them go. New beginnings bring new hopes, new opportunities for growth, and they bring new development. Let me close with this. The final thing, we must respond with faith and expectation. God's purposes are much deeper 
and more rewarding than we can think of or imagine. God's provision for new beginnings is clear and exciting. It's like a father that is just waiting for his children to come home. Not like a father that's just going to give you candy to keep you, to, uh, to appease you and to make you, you know, be quiet. Here, here it is. No, he is waiting to give you a fresh new start. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, a verse that we know. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I'm so glad that we have a future in God. I'm so glad that he does not leave us nor forsake us. I'm so glad that he has said, I will be with you until the end. I am so glad that he is promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And I'm so glad that everything that God said that he would do, he has done, he has accomplished. He's got a good track record. He's got a great track record. When we embrace new beginnings and we respond to him in faith and with faith and expectations, what we're saying is, God, I am ready to receive whatever your hand has for my life. I am ready. I'm ready to receive it. And so cast your fears and your anxiety aside today. Embrace a new start with faith and expectation. And God will bless you. I am telling you, I believe in a God who loves his children so much. Just like I love my children. And I would do anything for my children. You parents, especially fathers, would you not do anything for your children? Come on. You would? Anything. You would do anything that you, that, that you must do in order to protect and love and bless and give to your children. That is the Father that we have. And He wants us to commit our lives to Him. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.